My name is Abby, and I welcome you to the Evolving Love Podcast. Whether you are happily monogamous or polyamorous or anything in between, I welcome you to join me in these conversations with my husband and other special guests. On this podcast, I will be sharing my perspectives and experiences in consensual non-monogamy from the last eight years. Let's begin. Welcome to the second episode of the Evolving Love Podcast. On this episode, my husband and I will be answering questions that you submitted. We will be chatting about reconnection after being with other partners, compersion and inclusion within one another's experiences, and the time that I woke up to find my husband spooning another woman in our marital bed. Let's begin. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say that we have been so overwhelmed by all of the amazing feedback that we were getting from people from the first episode that we released. It was so encouraging to get all of that. And yeah, it's really amazing. What do you think? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing uh, getting the messages um, from some people I haven't talked to in a little bit who've, who've stumbled across the podcast and, and said they really enjoyed it and, and listening to us. So it's it's been a, a great to hear that feedback. Yeah, it's so encouraging. So I put out a call for questions after the last episode and we got some absolutely great questions that we will be answering today. We won't be able to answer all of the questions, but we will answer any questions that we don't answer today, we'll answer in a future episode. Yeah, and I think one thing that we're going to try and do uh, with this podcast is experiment a little bit. It's always good to experiment, as we know, but uh, um, it's it's something that I think with this uh, format in the podcast and having these conversations, um, it'll also allow us to you know take questions and answer questions and give our own responses to some things people might be interested in hearing us talk about, and and also as we've mentioned in the first podcast, um, hosting some conversations with other people as well. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to jump into the fire and get into some questions. We're ready. Let's go. So the first question we received was, what does having a primary partner mean to you? And what's the difference between the relationship with your primary partner and your other relationships? I guess I can answer this question first. The difference is significant. We live together. We're parents together. We are in our domestic life. We have we have over 10 years of relationship experience together. So all of that is is quite different to new relationships or connections that we would have with other people. Not to say that those other connections are not meaningful or deep. It's just a different it's just a different world in a way. We know each other in that that deeply nesting way. And yeah, what what do you think what would your answer be? Yeah, well, I think we, we definitely do have that kind of domesticity to our relationship. Um, of course, just the logistics of it. Um, and it, and the, probably the distinction for me, especially uh, when it's kind of using the, the terminology of like primary partner, which is almost like a, a term that's that's used in relationship as well a lot to kind of more polyamorous concepts, 
is uh, breaking down where we kind of fit within that spectrum of, of how different relationships are viewed. Because um, previously, the, the kind of interactions, certainly early on in our relationship, when, when we included other people within our relationship, um, in terms of uh, the ways in which maybe we had sexual interactions with them, um, it was very kind of uh, compartmentalized in the way that we approached it. Um, and that's kind of shifted a little bit uh, within our relationship as time has gone on and we've, we've you know, developed these friendships alongside these kind of uh, sexual encounters with, with different people as well. Even the terminology partner, the word, I couldn't even refer to another partner as, a, as another partner for quite a long time in itself. That felt like quite an intense... Um, word to use coming from this, you know, mostly monogamous relationship with you, emotionally monogamous, even even using the word partner was quite a lot. How do you feel about things like that? I know I'm going on a tangent here, but just the language around. Yeah, well, the language can kind of spark different things. Um, certainly when we first uh, got into things, there was kind of a reticence to to kind of speak really freely I think in in some ways with some of the terminology, like um, certainly there were things like if you were if you were going on a date with a guy, we wouldn't refer to him as your boyfriend, um, say something like that, or um, you know the, those types of things where it's kind of really the the, the different words carry their own weight, um, and sometimes uh, the intention behind the word doesn't necessarily match the exact situation, and it can kind of get lumped in together with with different things, um, but I. I, I definitely like the, the, the term partner um, uh, because it, it kind of, it does have uh, that implication of like, you know, some different things amongst it. I like lover as well. That's a, that's a good one. Time is a big difference as well between my relationship with you and a relationship with another partner. I, I spend so much time with you, you know, day-to-day life and with another partner, there's a lot of logistics, scheduling, planning in advance. There's not that given that I'm going to see them all of the time or as often as I see you. Time is time is the big one, I would say. Yeah, and there's that classic thing where, you know, the joke's always made that it's, uh, you know, in, certainly in polyamorous relationships when there's multiple people, the hardest thing is actually coordinating calendars because everyone's got their own lives running in parallel and, and it, sometimes it can be hard to just carve out time um, to see different people. I, certainly, um, especially when we were living back uh, back in New York and, and, and pre-having our child um, on the scene, we had so much more time. Looking back now, it's kind of funny thinking how much time we actually had compared to now where, where all the different uh, kind of nooks and crannies of our day seem to be filled up. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to be super intentional about um, setting aside a date night um, for us or a date night um, you know, for some extracurricular activities. So I would say that we really support each other with that as well. We're definitely a team in making time and valuing our connections with other partners as well. Sometimes people ask me, they say, or they tell me, 
you know, I, I wouldn't have the time to have another partner. You know, I'm so busy. I have my life. How can you, mm. how can you have another relationship? And I think a lot of people compare or they think that having another relationship is equally what they have with their main partner. Time doesn't always allow that, especially when, you know, you have family. So the way that I think about it is making time for other meaningful connections as you would a friendship, as you would somebody who inspires you, encourages you, a friend who you miss and care for, you make time to see them. It's it's in that world for us. We are not in a non-monogamous situation where we live with partners, where we would see them every single day. That's not uh, what we have. And I don't think that that is something that we would want to have as well. So yeah, it's it's not comparing it for us, at least, we can't compare our marriage and our relationship to a relationship with other partners because it's just it would fall short, especially on time. One thing that's a good it's good comparing it to kind of friendships because there's certainly friendships that I have with different people, um, and I won't see them for you know maybe a year, maybe two years, and certainly with living overseas and coming back to Australia, there'd be there'd be gaps between us seeing our friends. Uh, but when we see our friends, everything kicks off and it's, it's this beautiful experience and we get to hang out and chat and it feels like no time has really been missed. And that connection kind of picks off, um, picks up really organically, which I really love. Um, and, and I think perhaps maybe male friendships um, can lean more into to this um, by their nature. Um, certainly watching, you know, how much interaction you have with friends as well. Sometimes the communication between um, myself and, and my other male friends um, sometimes, uh, you know, can, can, can fall away a little bit. But once we, once we connect again, there's that beautiful shared experience and it really picks off. And, and I think this can be um, translated exactly the way, the way some of our um, interactions with our, our different partners happen as well. Like, you know, we don't necessarily have to see them, you know, every week, every month. Sometimes it can be six months in between seeing partners. Sometimes, um, certainly with you and some of your partners, um, it's been, you know, a year or two between uh, times when you've been able to spend time with them. Um, but when you reconnect, I imagine it's, it's uh, seemingly um, really meaningful as well. Yes, definitely. I think... You know, we're so fortunate these days with our phones, with being able to message and leave voice memos and have FaceTimes. You know, if the motivation is there to be in touch and have contact, can absolutely keep connections going, even if there are oceans between and pandemics happening. I mean, this is what selfies are for. Oh, yes, exactly. You've just got to pick up the <laughs> selfie game. That's the That's the trick. And with this talk of time and commitments and family and life and balancing and partners, I think a really important thing to do is communicate early on with our other partners about how much time and energy that we can give to a new, to a relationship or a connection so that they can then choose if we would be the right people for them to engage with. And I think it comes down to communication, doesn't it? Because ultimately when you're starting off a you know a new line of communication with a new partner or you know there's that flirtation and there's that that chat um, it can be easy to get lost in the momentum of that that kind of new relationship energy excitement um, and then the problems come when you know the messages 
take too long to be, uh, you know, replied to. And then you start to feel awkward because, you know, life is getting in the way. I think that that kind of situation can be avoided um, certainly with just communication straight out of the gate saying, look, um, you're awesome. Uh, we do have a kind of a crazy family situation and logistics and, you know, life is happening and I'm sure their life is happening as well. Um, and just being really open and upfront because, some of the situations in the past where it's, it's, it's become a little bit difficult has really been because those communications weren't, um, you know, straight away just kind of laying things out on the table. Mm. I think I've said it before that love, connection, passion, desire, all of those things are infinite. Time is not one of those infinite qualities. Time is a very real thing and it runs out. And it is a balancing act, though, to kind of how much, uh, how much, <laughs> how much logistics chat you want to have straight out the gate as well. Obviously, it's not the sexiest thing to to start mentioning. Oh well, I can't actually catch up for the next two weeks because I have this on, this on, this on, this on, this on. Um, and then the other person's thinking, okay, well, uh, that means next year we'll be hanging out. Well, yeah, and I think this is also why you don't really you wouldn't really compare this style of relationship to a regular monogamous relationship. Uh, building connection with you when we first got together is very looks very different to how building a connection with a, with a new partner now looks like. When we got together in 2012... All in, baby. All in. We were able to spend every single night together. You were coming over to my place. We were out and about doing lots of things you know, these these non-monogamous relationships can look a little bit different, especially when you have a strong primary partner and life and family. Things such as, you know, we can't, yeah, we couldn't see another partner as much as we could see each other when we first got together. There's also the aspect of a lot of these relationships are closeted. So that can actually be quite difficult to be out socially, sort of depending on where people are at in their non-monogamy. Some people are are fully out and polyamorous. Um, We haven't really been like that before. So sometimes we might be out and about with partners that Mm. are uh, camouflaged as friends or in social situations with groups. No one would know. But look, I mean, there's usually a handful of people that might know. So that, that brings a different energy to it. It can bring certain levels of excitement. It can be fun to have a secret on other people. Uh, it can also bring about difficulties for sure. Mm. I, I I enjoy the excitement though. I think I think it is really exciting. Certainly, when we um, go out with with friends of ours who are you know very special friends, um, <laughs> you know it can it can uh, there is that kind of energy and and sometimes it's fun just kind of looking around the room and and thinking I wonder if they know what what's about to happen tonight. If only they knew. If only they knew uh, the, the deviousness ahead. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I will save that for the for the OnlyFans account. Oh my gosh! What just, is... just kidding. We do not have also, an OnlyFans account. There is no evolving not... live project OnlyFans account. <laughs> there isn't. There isn't. Also, what is this voice you're using? This is so funny. How am I supposed to be serious with you? <laughs> this funny voice. <laughs> podcast. Podcast land. I'm seeing a whole new version of you just through doing this podcast. It's pretty exciting. There we go. I am to please. Moving on to our next question, which is, 
Had you or your partner never met, would you be okay being someone who was monogamous? Oof. You can I'm, answer this. I do like this question. This is a this is a great question and something that we have certainly talked about um, a whole bunch. I think cer- certainly for for me the the way I would answer that question is I think uh, I never really considered the concept of non-monogamy until I was in a relationship that felt really safe and secure. Um, my previous relationships, I didn't have that kind of sense of, of security. Um, but as soon as we were, we started getting into our relationship, a whole kind of world of, of opportunities in my mind kind of opened up. Certainly, and I think that was, that was probably um, just brought about just due to the fact that I, I felt really secure in our relationship. I felt really secure in our love. And it started making me think about, you know, um, yeah, different different possibilities. And initially, we, we explored, you know, lots of, um, you know, kink play and, and that type of thing, uh, which was, which also kind of built into building our connection and, and building that, that really secure foundation from which when we did start to think about that kind of non-monogamy um, aspect of our relationship or potential aspect of our relationship, it felt like a, a really safe place to um, initially vocalize that, but then ultimately kind of act out these things. And, and I think at the core of the question is whether um, we could ever imagine um, being monogamous at our core. And I think now, um, I don't want to say that I've seen the light, but I feel, I feel that uh, I can't really imagine our relationship going back to um, full monogamy um, because we really appreciate the different things that um, non-monogamy brings to us as as people and brings to us within our relationship um, as well. And of course, we're going to go through stages of of having um, you know uh, where we are more monogamous in in terms of just really focusing on ourselves and not necessarily having maybe the time or or um, deliberately um, you know, catch up with, with other partners and, and such. But I think at our core, we still have this, um, you know, this, this freedom of the, the non-monogamy mindset within how it relates to our relationship. Yeah. For me, there's no going back, baby. <laughs> I think I'm definitely just not a monogamous person, but as you said, throughout our relationship, I've been able to safely explore our non-monogamy together. And as you said, in saying that things fluctuate, things change, you know, I think if we were ever in a situation, you know, life happens, people get sick, things, things come up. If there was ever anything serious for us, it's like, obviously we're not thinking about this. We would probably be going very inward in saying that through our non-monogamous community of friends, our connections, partners, I'm sure would be there and help us to support through that as well, because we're sort of, we've evolved out of initial stages of our non-monogamy, which was more about experience, sort of with the emphasis on that. Now we're leaning more into connection with other people. So we would not drop our community or our partners, but sometimes things have to shift and change to accommodate what's going on in life. So do you think at the core you are, non-monogamous I think so I feel like for me perhaps it is an orientation Mm. a relationship style orientation for me 
something I've written a little bit about too on my pages. Shout out Evolving Love Project on Instagram. Oh, thanks, babe. And Evolving Love Project on Substack. Thank you. There we go. Got to get the plugs in. Got to get the plugs in. <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 the book Sex at Dawn covers this um, really well in terms of like an anthropological look into the history of non-monogamy and, uh, you know, and, and bringing up that discussion of are we non-monogamous by nature, you know, which is a really interesting interesting topic and and looking at, at, at how non-monogamy has evolved in terms of how it's being, I guess, co-opted by, uh, you know, religion and the patriarchy to kind of control using uh, using non-monogamy as, as using monogamy, I should say, as a way of controlling uh, relationships and controlling, you know, the um, uh, holding on to property and... Well, monogamous marriage came out with uh, agricultural farming. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing, you know, who's, as Esther Perel says, who's going to get the cows when I die, mm. that. So, yeah, there are, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of conversations and evidence around the fact that, you know, perhaps we are not monogamous by nature. In saying that, I I don't like to get too caught up in the, is it natural? Is it unnatural? We're all unique. Our Our world society changes. We do evolve and shift and grow mold a little bit to our environments of course so I I'm just a big believer in doing everybody should do what's right for them everybody should look into that you know as far as their relationships go and make the decision based on what feels right it doesn't have to be about what your grandparents did before it doesn't have to be you don't have to be forcing yourself into non-monogamy or polyamory because it's the natural way of being in a relationship mm. that might not be the best for you you know taking into account histories traumas uh influences it's so every person is so incredibly unique that every relationship should be unique to them as well. Mm. And there's got to be some fluidity in the way it's approached. It's not really a binary, are we non-monogamous? Are we monogamous? Um, there's just so much so much gray area in between that. And like you said, you know, different people come, um, you know, they have their own life experiences and they have their own things informing their decisions. And really the, the main thing is that people don't feel shame in making those decisions, whether it's one way or another, you know, it, I I definitely don't I haven't looked a lot into the the science of of this kind of stuff because I I feel like it's quite instinctual um for myself I just feel that uh it's it's an honest way for us to live and an honest way for us to approach a relationship um but yeah the the, the problems can come when it's like you're either monogamous or non-monogamous or you're either straight or you're gay you know there's just so much there's just so much gray area yeah, there is a lot of gray area. Having a having a fluid mindset with it is really good. I will say though, you know, for us, as you said, very instinct led, our non-monogamy, something that we really fell into because it was something that we both just together in our own little world decided that we'd start to explore that. But it has been really validating to read certain books and yeah, as you said, reading Sex at Dawn, you know, the ethical slut, uh, Esther Perel, we used to go to her lectures in New York City and I remember she described uh, 
it was such a moment. She just, what did she say in that lecture? She said that people who are carving out their own relationship style, who are not conforming to monogamy, to strict monogamy and to have flexibility with that while keeping bond and connection with one another and building bond and connection with other people, have an understanding that it is natural. She said that they will actually be relationship pioneers. And I found that to be really encouraging and so validating because as many people know, I'm a big Esther Perel fan. Absolutely. And the the interesting thing, I do remember, I think that was a, an Alliance Francaise uh, curated talk. Was that right? It was. Yeah. And, and uh, w- one interesting thing from that was there was probably, I don't know, 800, 1,000 people from my memory in the, in the room. And there was a very small percentage, like maybe um, of 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 that many hundreds of people, there was probably only like 50 guys. I know. I remember that. It was mostly women. Where are the men who are investigating this stuff? Well, maybe maybe they're investigating it, but they're, they're certainly not investigating it in public at an Esther Perel talk, which which I found just fascinating. And uh, it's it, it just made me think a lot, certainly at the time, and, and I, I do think that it's it's also really important for, for men to be having these conversations um, and destigmatizing, uh, destigmatizing just having the conversations um, in the first place. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fascinating to see the, the kind of lack of male attendance, um, you know, uh, in that room. Yeah. Well, okay, that makes me think. These conversations. So some of you may know that I do actually hold conversation evenings once a month for women in Canberra. So if you are a woman, female identifying, and you would like to come to some of these conversations, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me via my Instagram, Evolving Love Project. Uh, But also the men need to have these conversations too. And I've been thinking about how I can involve men in these conversations, opening them up, or maybe men need their own groups to have these conversations. Maybe Liam, this is your moment. This could be the moment. (laughs) I'm just dropping this on you right now. This is not a pre-planned. This is, this is definitely not pre-planned. I'll have to look in my, my busy diary. Your uh, busy diary. <laughs> got a lot of dates. No, no. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think these conversations are really important. And, and hopefully, it's a, initially when we were talking about this podcast, um, you know, the, the initial thought was that you would be hosting this by yourself and having these conversations with other people. Um, and, uh, but certainly having the conversations together and, and perhaps, um, you know, and this is some feedback that we'd love to hear from, from anyone listening, um, you know, is having that male perspective, you know, hopefully that is, is, is giving voice and hope, hopefully if you are a man in a relationship and interested in these things, hopefully you can identify with, with some of the things that I'm, I'm saying here. So we have come to our next question. Um, which was very kindly submitted to us. Um, And the question is, I'd like to know how much detail you share with your partner about the connections they have with others. Okay, so before we get into this question, this is a point of ethics. This is something that needs to be communicated across the board. This is also something that can play into couples' privilege as well. This is about protecting other people's privacy. Now, 
you and I are very compersive people. We actually really enjoy hearing about one another's connections and experiences. Mm. We don't really like to have secrets from one another in the same at the same time we do like to honor another person's privacy as well a partner's privacy so that is something that we do share with partners with other partners that you know we are really compersive and that sort of for us i think we are at this stage in our relationship evolution where we still really value that, but not at the expense of someone else and not at the expense of breaching their privacy. So that is a conversation that uh, happens with partners and is very specific from partner to partner because that comes down to what they would be comfortable sharing with us, Uh, you know, or having the other partner know about what's going on. So there's not a blanket rule with that, but as far as how we feel about it, we like to share. So we would like to share as much as possible with one another, dependent on the comfortability of that other partner. Yeah, we we really um, enjoy, yeah, sharing in um, the enjoyment of, you know, I love sharing in your enjoyment of different situations and different experiences that you have and, and you certainly feel the same uh, same way with me as well. And that kind of enjoyment can can take form in, in many different ways in terms of the, the ways in which it actually, actually acts out, I guess. You know, I love um, certainly listening to you recount stories of, of, of your dates and, and, and uh, I love hearing the specifics about, you know, what you were doing and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I find that really fulfilling um, and just really hot just listening to that. And interestingly, I've never really felt uh, kind of a jealous energy when you're, when you're, um, when you're talking about these, these specific moments from, you know, something that might have happened on a date or at the end of the date or when things were getting hot and steamy and, and, and it, it really feeds into my desire for you. Um, and, and I've always found that it's, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a really exciting thing to, to kind of really harness within our relationship and within building our connection, um, that kind of, I, I guess you'd call it like that reclaiming energy that happens after certainly you're on a date with another guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you are just compersive off the charts. What I find really interesting about you is actually the more that you know, or the more that you are involved uh, through, yeah, my storytelling or other ways of involvement uh, actually increases your comfort level for the situation across the board, the less that you would be involved with knowing, the less comfortable that you would feel. So, yeah. And as far as myself, I also really enjoy hearing about what you get up to. So I think there is a bit of a difference in how we approach this with other people. Uh, for me, you know, being a woman, I'm sort of a, a little bit more comfortable to maybe share about certain uh, elements or aspects with a new partner that would enhance our relationship too as far as inclusion whether that be storytelling or uh, there's a few other creative ways to go about this I feel like if you or when you're dating another woman it's 
there's a little bit more of a gentle approach with it. I would never feel comfortable um, asking, like it's like putting in requests. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, can you do this, this and this um, with this, you know, new partner of yours. I would never want to make them feel uncomfortable. Um, recently, I was very lucky because you were in Melbourne and you went on a on a date with a wonderful woman uh, who I hadn't actually met in person, but she just naturally was very drawn to that sharing. She, you know, she reached out to me and she was talking to me about it and talking to me in the lead up. And, you know, I mean, she actually even sent me some photos of her in beautiful lingerie, sort of showing me what she was going to wear for you. And I just, what a queen. I just thought this is so exciting. You know, I was so excited for you. And then. Well, we should probably backtrack. Uh, We should probably set up the, 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 exactly what happened a little bit. So, so, you know, the plan was that I I was going down to Melbourne to see some family and uh, you actually had the suggestion. You said, oh, well, maybe, maybe you should maybe go on a, go on a hot date. And I thought, okay, this this sounds this sounds exciting. I mean, why not? Why not? And uh, <laughs> so uh, we we've I think we may have mentioned this app in our first um, uh, in our first podcast episode, but uh, there's an app called Field, which is like Tinder, but for for I guess very open-minded people and people in <laughs> Tinder, but for us. Tinder, but uh, yeah, uh, for us and and Field. If you're listening, we're open to sponsorship. Um, but uh, yeah, so so so. So basically, I I knew that I was going down to Melbourne, and and uh, you know in our profile we put that I was traveling to Melbourne, and you know we did a little bit of swiping, I guess, and uh, yeah, made this connection with this this really awesome, uh, awesome awesome woman down there, and uh, we started chatting, and it was it was super fun, and yeah, we arranged to go on this date, and at the same time. Um, you know, you had also been talking to her and this is uh, when you guys had, had kind of been talking um, a little bit as well, kind of setting up, um, you know, setting setting up your connection together. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And it, yeah, it was great to connect with her and especially in the lead up to your date and I was feeling really excited for you. And then you had a wonderful time together and, you know, then she's in touch with me the next day and it's really interesting. I like hearing about she was sharing some highlights she was sharing some highlights and I love hearing you know from your perspective and then from her perspective as well so I felt really included and I felt really wanted in that space she was very excited to talk with me about it and I was very excited to hear about it so yeah I'm really looking forward to meeting her at some point uh, next time we're in Melbourne together and this is the thing in terms of keeping it light and playful and and just just keeping it the the communication open between everyone because as soon as that happens you you have the ability for everyone to kind of feed off the energy of the situation um you know uh with each other and it kind of builds builds up the the you know the excitement uh between everyone it's and it's a really fun uh it's a really fun place to be um so yeah that was a that was an exciting experience <laughs> Very exciting. It is a fun place to be. I will also say that these are situations that are pretty specific to you and I. You know, not everybody approaches uh, their non-monogamy like this. Mm. And that is 
completely valid as well. Some people really prefer to have very separate uh, parallel relationships where there isn't much crossover, where there isn't much involvement or communication with other partners. Mm. And that's completely valid as well. As long as that's nourishing and, and wanted by all, that's completely fine. So, you know, it's also the thing where some people who might be much more experienced in their polyamory and their, you know, the, the separateness, uh, you know, they might hear the way that we go about it and think, oh, it's a little bit too involved or a little bit sort of micromanaged or something like that. For us, it doesn't feel like that. It's just like an inclusive involvement that feels really warm and connecting and, and staying connected through our separate experiences as well. So we come to our next question and I do love this question. Um, so thanks for submitting it. Um, so how does one return to the primary partner? So how do we return to each other after time uh, with another partner uh, in terms of the physical and emotional side of things? This is something that's very, very important to us. We, we honour this time afterwards. We, we set time aside for it. It's just as important for us as the explorational time away with another partner and it is also something that we have uh we've we've learned the the importance of it along the way we've had a few slip-ups with this in the past I might actually I'll talk a little bit about the first experience uh that we had where you went out on a date with another woman this was in New York when we were living there number of however many years ago now 2018 and we were very much looking forward to you exploring with other with other people with other women and so it it sort of worked out that I had a partner at the time and he had a girlfriend and uh, you two had connected and organized to spend some time together so we were living in Brooklyn at the time she was up in Harlem and I remember, uh, you know, you you made your way all the way up to Harlem and you were in touch with me and messaging me and well, first of all, so I, excited. I, I have to say that I was extremely nervous because this was the first date that I had been on since our first date. And uh, maybe that's a story for another time, our first date, but because uh, that's pretty funny in and of itself. But I was truly, I also, well, the long story short, our first date I didn't even realize it was a date. So this was the first time in probably, I don't know, uh, 10, 12, 13 years where I, uh, I had that first date nervousness. And, I, and at the time, we were living in Brooklyn um, and Harlem was a, a fairly far way away. And I think it was a, maybe a, like a 90-minute train ride up to the date. And I just remember being so nervous, just sitting on the train going, wow, this is, this is a crazy energy. I, f I forgot about this. Yeah, you were really nervous and you were messaging me a lot. And oh, it was actually quite funny because your mum was visiting us in New York at the time and I was actually out for dinner with your mum while you were messaging me, saying, <laughs> telling me how nervous you are about going on this date. And I was you know, really encouraging you. And then... Uh, you go on your date and obviously you had such a great time. Uh, you know, the messages stopped coming in. I knew that you were must have been having a great time with her. 
But there was quite a long period of time where I didn't hear from you. And then sort of my evening wraps up. Your mom goes back to her Airbnb. I'm, I'm. Well, the first message that I sent to you was, um, was at the bar at this lovely bar in Harlem. I, f- I forget the name of, um, but it's at this lovely bar and, and my date had gone to the bathroom and I thought, oh, I'll quickly message just to let, let you know that the, the date is going great. And then, uh, and then. After that, um, the next message I think was on the way back to her place, where I messaged to say, "Oh, we're going, we're going back to her place." You're using that weird voice again. That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my what? awkward, awkward hot, hot oh memory uh, voice. Your hot memory voice. Yeah. So I. So then, yeah, the messages slowed down. Then I knew what was happening. You were going back to her place. I was really excited for you. And then I didn't hear from you for so long and sort of different feelings were coming up. I thought this is unusual. You know, I mean, by now it's like one o'clock. This is, you know, whatever. Uh, Anyway, you came home. Obviously, it took ages to come home because you're in Harlem. I can't remember if you caught the subway back or... I did catch the subway back. You caught the subway which back. Which takes even longer because it's like... Well, at that time of night... There's not many trains going and I probably had I to do some circuitous route that was really crazy I back know. to Brooklyn. You probably should have caught an Uber, but sometimes, you know, in New York, some you know, the subway can be so much faster than an Uber sometimes. Um, so anyway, by the time you got home, I was feeling a little bit tender. I hadn't really heard from you much and you were really excited to tell me about the date. But also by that time, it was so late. I was really exhausted. So I couldn't really enjoy, you know, I, I wasn't quite ready to hear about it then. But the problem was, was that the next day you went away for work. First thing in the morning, you went away on a work trip for three days you were away. Yeah. And that was really hard. So we didn't have the opportunity to sort of go out for breakfast or go for a walk or hold hands or reconnect or be intimate with one another. It was just like the date happened and then the busyness of life happened and I didn't really feel like I had that aftercare and you didn't feel like you had that aftercare. We didn't have that for each other. So that was a real learning experience and that you know, sometimes with these things, we just you just learn about things as they happen. Like it's not because anybody intended to do the wrong thing. You know, you didn't mean f- for me to feel like that, but sometimes different feelings can come up. But we were very aware that that was sort of the issue. The issue wasn't that you had gone on a date and that I was feeling jealous and upset about you going on a date. It was that, you know, I was upset because we didn't really connect and because I was overtired. So that made it uncomfortable. So it's sort of like being aware of the circumstance around the situation. It's not always about the person. It's not always about anyone deliberately doing anything wrong. It's just in this world, things can happen. There are unusual emotions and sort of realizing what works for you. Now we know that 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 connection with one another is very important aftercare for us. So putting time aside for that. Now as parents, we have to uh, plan our life around that. So, you know, whether it's some uh, special family time together or if it's we just need to connect just the two of us in one way or another. So, yeah, absolutely putting that on the calendar right after a date as well. And, you know, that can be the next day. It doesn't have to be that night. But, you know, having having some really intentional time, some beautiful eye contact, some meaningful sex with one another, 
that's really beautiful for us. And lots of big discussions, you know. We're definitely communicators within our relationship and we we talk a lot and it's something that we need to kind of feel that we have space to do and time to do um, just to kind of just, I guess, reconnect um, and reclaim each other just through conversation as well as physically. And up until that point, um, we just naturally made space for that um that kind of reconnection and the reclaiming um in all the situations that we'd had up until that point i still remember the um the first time that um we had uh, a, a lady join us in the bedroom and then the morning afterwards we had this incredible um walk around prospect park and we i don't know how many laps of prospect park we did um but uh we certainly i think the whole day yeah, I think we just spent the whole day walking around grinning and just feeling like we were the the king and queen of the world, just just having the best time of our lives. And certainly you mentioned earlier about kind of the, the excitement of having secrets from like, you know, being out with, you know, another um, uh, another couple that you, you might have an intimate connection with as well. But certainly I, I remember walking around and thinking, oh, no one knows what was happening last night you know, and how, how fun that, just that knowledge was as well. I think also there can be some on the topic of sometimes, so things can happen and it's nobody's fault, but they can stir emotions. This has just brought me all the way back to a time where we had a partner, we were with a partner of ours and she was over and we had a fabulous night together. It was amazing and because she actually lived quite far away. I think she also actually lived in Harlem and we were in Brooklyn. Yep a different partner and you know it was late and maybe we were going to get her an uber home uh and then it sort of worked out where where she was just going to stay the night because that was just logistically easier and the way that we all fell asleep you ended up you fell asleep in the middle and then she ended up on my side of the bed Mm. and I was on the other side of the bed and now you know in the mornings when you're asleep, you always spoon me in the mornings. I am a spooner. So I woke up in the morning and rolled over and you were spooning her. <laughs> and I was just like, this is this is so different. You know what I mean? I feel like we are at a point now where like that wouldn't really be an issue. That would, you know, but at the time that felt yeah, really think- intimate in its own way. So sort of coming back to more emotional aspects of non-monogamy to the sexual aspects. Like to me, I saw that, you know, it was such a, an intimate moment, you know, the two of you sleeping and you spooning her and I had to take a, a bit of a deep breath, but, um, you know, it all worked out and everything was fine. There were no upsets or anything, but you know, that's something that you can't, sometimes you can't foresee that that's going to happen. Like it's not your fault that you rolled over and spooned her. Yeah. And that was the first time that someone had slept over, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was. So so that was just a, a situation that we could have never, I guess we could have hypotheticalized it um, and guessed that something like that would happen. But it was such a specific thing for that, you know, uh, that kind of tapped into this kind of like, oh, that's a really, that's weird to see my husband spooning another woman in the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there can be lots of um, strange and unexpected moments, you know, when we talk about seeing your partner from the really from a totally different perspective, you know. Yeah. Usually I'm the one being spooned, but now I'm like a fly on the wall of this intimate spooning situation. And, you know, it's 
I'm pretty into it. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. I like that. I just don't really know what's coming. I, th- I feel like <laughs> now, if that were to happen, you'd be super into it. Oh, I'd love that. That yeah. would be really lovely. That would, that would be really nice. But I did, you know, it, we were all good. I remember I, I got out of bed. I made everyone some coffee. I'm, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a welcoming host. You're a gracious, gracious <laughs> host. Have some coffee. Have my husband. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Well, I think we have we have come to the the natural conclusion. Yeah. Of uh of our second ever evolving love podcast. Exactly, we have. This has been great. Now there are some more questions that we didn't answer, um, because we don't want this podcast episode to just go on and on and on. But I'll we'll be answering those at different points in yeah. the future. I'm sure. And also, if, if anyone else has other questions, um, please reach out. Uh, we, have, we actually now have a website um, that by the time this podcast comes out, um, will be live. So, you can reach out to us through evolvingloveproject.com website or at the Instagram Evolving Love Project. And if you are a female identifying person and you would like to be involved in some in-person conversations, do also reach out to me and I can send you some information because I do host conversation nights once a month. So it'd be wonderful to have you join. Yeah. And we shall see you for the next episode of the Evolving Love Project. Yep. See you next time. 